0: Well, formal good morning to you all. Good to see you. Um, Let's uh, ask for God's help uh, as we come to uh, his word uh, this morning. So, Father, we come to you again. We want to thank you for this lovely new day you have again given to us. And uh, we pray now that as we turn to your word, that once again, we will know the help of your Holy Spirit to be the one who brings light to your word and life to your word that it might speak into our lives this morning for your glory in Jesus name. Amen. After God's victory through Deborah and Barak that we were thinking about yesterday, um, at the end of chapter five, we read that the land had peace uh, for 40 years. And then that's the end of chapter five. Chapter six opens with the words. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. It's that deja vu time again uh, that we're getting used to in Judges. Once again, Israel falls into spiritual decline, we're told. And for seven years, God gave them into the hands of Midian. And uh, during this time, the Midianites made life so miserable for Israel. God's people carried away from their oppressor. They lived in shelters that they made for themselves in caves in the mountains. And this should have been God's people living in a land flowing with milk and honey. And then when it came to food, when they planted their crops, the Midianites would come and ravage the land and uh, destroy them. And uh, they would also steal all of their livestock. And in their desperation, finally, God's people cry out to him uh, for help. And God responds. And he responds by sending them a prophet. We're not told his name, but he comes to remind the people of all that God had done for them, uh, but that they had disobeyed God's law. And they had not listened to him. And then the next event is that we're told that the angel of the Lord came and sat under an oak tree where Gideon was working. And he's our judge for today. He was being very enterprising, it would appear. He was threshing wheat in a wine press. Sounds quite ingenious, but I guess it was that he could do it in a way that was fairly hidden away from the Midianites so that his crops were not stolen. And he speaks to Gideon, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. At this, uh, I can imagine that Gideon perhaps had a John McEnroe moment. You cannot be serious, he may have said. Surely the angel of the Lord, who is taken by many Bible commentators as the Lord himself, a sort of Christophany in the Old Testament, surely the Lord had got the wrong person. I'm no soldier. I'm just a humble farmer, we can hear, or perhaps almost hear Gideon say. And from that point on, it was going to be surprise, surprise, every step of the way for Gideon, As God walks with him on that journey to victory for God's people once again. He needed to be sure that the Lord, it was the Lord who visited him. And God showed that to him. He needed to be sure that it was him that God was choosing. And God showed him on more than one occasion He had so many questions along the way. In fact, every step of the way, every task that uh, the Lord asked of him, it was questions, questions all the time from Gideon. But God would respond to those. He had his doubts too. He always needed that constant reassurance in the face of the task that God was giving him to do. And God would reassure him. We read those wonderful words, peace, do not be afraid. You're not going to die. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid because of me, who I am, the angel of the Lord, coming and speaking to you in person. Don't be afraid. What I'm asking you to do, you're not going to die. Well, he achieved his first assignment, and it was a spiritual one. It was to break down all the altars of the idols that were being worshipped, and they were destroyed and Gideon established an altar to the Lord and he moves on to his second assignment the battle phase to defeat the Midianites and the army is summoned and Gideon must have been delighted when 33,000 soldiers turn up 33,000 any football club with 33,000 spectators as their gate every Saturday, uh, would be pretty pleased. Would be pretty pleased. Not Manchester United; they have double that. But most clubs would—a veritable army. But then it's surprise, surprise time again. Once again, the angel of the Lord tells Gideon: the army is far too big. Any who are afraid can go home. If they win, God said, they will be proud because they will think that they have done it. Gideon is left with 10,000, but even then that's too many for God. And God is told to set a test for them. If it was in school, Osted would be called in. The success rate wasn't high. Only 300 out of 10,000 passed. Oh no, you can imagine Gideon saying, Oh, yes, says God. Oh, yes. And Gideon needed to learn that uh, with God, less is usually more. With God, less is usually more. Once again, it's surprise, surprise time. The Lord briefs Gideon on the battle plan. No conventional weapons it was going to be trumpets it was going to be clay jars and it was going to be torches all the way and uh, we can imagine perhaps where Gideon is in his mind at this point but God had brought him this far far. and God wanted to give him one final encouragement uh, to help him as he goes into battle and uh, God encourages Gideon as he carries out a recce into the camp of the Midianites and uh, They start to hear people speaking and the enemy is not talking about victory. The enemy is already smelling defeat. The Lord is going to give them the victory. And he does as God's people go on to enjoy peace. We're told for 40 years, 40 years of peace following this victory. What can we take from this this morning, perhaps? Well, perhaps um, we need to be reminded and be surprised again by God. Surprise, surprise at who it is that God uses. I've got some quotes from Hudson Taylor uh, this morning just to conclude with. And one of his quotes is this. God uses men who are weak and feeble enough to lean on him God uses men and I'm sure he means women too who are weakened feeble enough to lean on him and we saw that yesterday with Barak um, if you remember the reluctant general filling Deborah with confidence and then surprise surprise at the resources that God uses Paul says in 2 Corinthians, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Hudson Taylor again, this famous one of his, God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. God's work done in God's way never lacks god's supply and thirdly surprise surprise it the methods god uses surprise surprise at who he uses surprise surprise at the resources and then the methods god uses isaiah 55 my thoughts are not your thoughts neither are your ways my way saith the lord for as the heavens are higher than the earth So are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Hudson Taylor, once more. There are three stages to every great work of God. First, it's impossible. Then it's difficult. Then it's done. First, it's impossible. Then it's difficult. And then it is done. On Monday, we may have thought that judges would be all gloom and doom and sin and sadness. A bit like going through perpetual night, wading through the treacle, uh, as God's people would repeatedly go into spiritual decline and progressively move further and further away from God. And we might have been rather overtaken by what was happening on the earth and with the people. And and, and that is what history bears record to. That is what Judges is. That was what was happening. But it may well be that that would have dominated our thinking as we go through Judges. And we might even have begun to ask, where is God? Where is God? But... uh, as you go through each of these events in Judges. He is there. He is there. His name is repeatedly on every page along the way. He is there and he is at work. His love for his people is there. His compassion is still in evidence. He is still sovereign over all working out his purposes, even through the darkest of times with his people, through those that he chooses to raise up. He is still sovereign. The phone rang the other day and answered it. And she said, Phil, it's for you. It's Mike Curtis. I thought, oh, no, here we go. And uh, usually when uh, I answer the phone to Mike, the mad monk doesn't say good morning Phil, good afternoon Phil, hello, past the time or anything, I usually get a verse of scripture blasted in my ear that the Lord has given him for that day. And judging by other people that get phone calls from Mike on the same day, they get the same treatment as well. That morning, it wasn't a verse of scripture. As I said, hi there Mike, I had the dulcet tones of the mad monk singing an age-old chorus to me that had come out of the ark. It really had. God is still on the throne. And he could remember the first two lines, and I could remember the rest. And between us, we sang it together, a bit like Deborah in Barak. God is still on the throne. Now just remember that, and let's always be encouraged by that.